to the In Living Spanglish podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest, Issa Rae's adopted little sister, Vero Fuerte. And of course, this podcast would be nothing without the man who keeps a Herculean amount of flaming Hot Cheetos under his mattress, Ricardo Mexicano. I wish that was true. I'm, I'm really craving some right now. I know you are. Yeah, I know you are. I, I wish I had uh, I mean, I'm not that dis- I'm not a disgusting slob. <laughs> and I don't keep snacks under my bed. But, I mean, if you check the pantry, you know, I'll probably have a few bags in there. So, you know, you're not too far off. Mm-hmm. I actually, I thought about you the other day when I was, uh, like, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Because I went to the Bucky's and I actually found they have this new flavor of baked flaming chili limon, like, I guess sort of Cheetos, Bucky's knockoffs. And let me tell you, bruh, like, I bought you one. And then I'm like, when's the next time I'm going to see this dude, though? And so it sat in my pantry for, like, three days until I kept... They, they kept staring at me, Ricardo. No, the chips... Staring, no, no, no. You were staring at them. <laughs> the chips kept eyeing me, like, saying, like, like, hey, hey, how you doing? And uh, next thing I know, you know, the whole bag, you know, was demolished. So, like, I might have to buy you a new one, I it guess. Just, it just happened out of nowhere, right? Like, sorcery? They yeah. Disappeared? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like, I, I just... Uh, I just opened my eyes and it was a blur and it was like all gone so yeah i owe you one but i was actually in i actually drove all the way to uh dallas which is a two-hour drive for me right now uh up until the move because i want to go get my first ink bra mm-hmm. and uh my first tattoo ever which is wild i think i don't know i don't know if that's like rare or not to be 27 and just now be getting your first tattoo but nah, you know there you have nah, I, don't no? think, I don't think there's any age i mean i've known people who were 40 30 50 even who you know who have gotten their first tattoo so nah i don't think it's like a really rare or like out there kind of thing you know when you're ready you're ready and let me tell you, Broski, like it is hard to get ready when you are listening to i am you know my personality like i am like OCD to the 10th degree when it comes to research about anything, right? So I have to I have to look up all the reviews and I have to ask people their experiences. So the worst thing about being that kind of person and wanting to get your first tattoo is that you ask countless of people that question that I'm sure everybody gets, did it hurt? And I've gotten so many stories and I had it built up in my head. I had like, okay, like is it true like is it uh, first of all yes it is true that women have a way more physical pain tolerance than men i mean obviously that's just like a proven thing um you know aside from the whole given birth thing because when i walked into that parlor and first of all the tattoo artist told me the same thing and i sat them in the chair and i started to get you know basically my arm eternally scarred mm-hmm. it was literally like just a really long itchy shot that's the entire that's that's exactly what it felt like and it really was not that bad at all it played out so much worse in my head than it did in real life and you know now i got the addiction broski like i'm ready i'm ready to get like uh, a leg sleeve y todo eso come on with more. it a lot more yes I yes mean, i mean we, we've talked about it a lot and uh i've always said that for me it's a very uh personal thing just because you know i'm i'm very uh, particular about what I get, not just on my body, but just with uh with anything in general. You know, I'm always very yeah. I wouldn't say picky because I'm very open to a lot of things, but when it comes to like something a lot more personal, I'm very 
uh, choosy when it comes to that. So, and I feel like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I would have gotten a tattoo, you know, probably when I was like 19 or 18. But it's just that that thing in the back of my mind where it's like, no, it's not good enough. And like, you know, what does this really represent, kind of thing. Oh. Well, bro, my next tattoo appointment is May the 14th of 2021. Come on with it and come with me. May 2021? Yes. Dude, like the t- this tattoo artist that like I booked, like she's supposed to be the best of the best. And literally that was her next opening because she's so booked out far in advance with COVID y todo eso on top of everything else. And the fact that she's so popular, that was her uh, next soonest appointment. Jesus. That I just booked a few days ago. I, mean, I'm I pre- know, right? I, f- I feel like, you know, the way things are going, I'll probably just end up getting one here in uh in Fort Worth. You know, She's maybe, in Fort Worth. Maybe by the end of the year. Ah, you know? okay. Yeah, I, no, I'm I think I might get it soon. Not with her, maybe. I, I, may, I may just chop around and see who else I can find. And, uh, I? But, uh, but speaking of Fort Worth, uh, I have now entirely moved for those well i know most people probably aren't aware but i've officially moved over to fort worth uh and we're mm-hmm. actually doing this via we're, we're doing this via a skype call so if the quality doesn't sound as a1 or as close to a1, sorry about you or, or or maybe it's about the same you know <laughs> I'm, maybe it's about yeah. the same for you maybe there's not really a, a huge improvement but i hope when we're like actually together, you can tell that you know we're trying to get like the best sound possible. But anyway, mm-hmm. I've uh, I've officially moved over to Fort Worth. Veronica is slated to move in the first of November, hopefully. Of November, baby. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So you know we're counting down the days, so she'll be here soon, so we'll be able to bring the podcast into in a more fuller effect than right now. Um, but I just wanted to say that uh, you know, move went great. No, no hiccups. Uh, you know. Well, I want to say no hiccups. You know, all moving have their particular quirks and stuff like that that can happen. Uh, but nothing, nothing serious. You know, I moved in okay. Uh, I've been enjoying the area. Been enjoying getting out to, to like see the places. You know, I went to a park. I've been kind of like going around seeing like the different food and stuff like that. Just trying things out and you know, really getting settled in. Um, Jesus. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I started full-time again with the Navy, so that's the reason for my move, and uh, all this week I've just been going on base, getting different paperwork and stuff done before I start my actual job on Tuesday, uh, September 1st, so in a few more days I'll be actually starting my job, so I've been relatively... You'll be official official. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been relatively just kicking it for like the past two weeks, just just chilling, uh, catching up on stuff, just really lounging, of course, you know, also making sure that I got everything squared away before I actually start my uh my job but man I just been enjoying the time of my life you know because it's so it's so relieving for me where I feel like I'm always constantly doing something and to have mm-hmm. that and to have that time where I can literally just sit down and be like I don't have to do anything if I don't want to and um it's been like a two-week vacation for you yeah yeah it's amazing yeah See, and I'm pretty much the opposite. Like, I am ready to, like, get back out there and get, like, projects under my belt and, like, uh, but be more intentional about it, you know? I feel that there are two camps right now when it comes to just this year, uh, when it comes to people, as far as their, quote-unquote, busyness, you know? There are, 
either folks that are so incredibly like like yourself and like a lot of my other friends that are so incredibly busy and wrapped up and have all these all these things in the works and like juggling a million different things that you know they don't even have time to breathe and then there are others that are just you know sort of uh, maybe they're maybe they're uh maybe the days in their calendar aren't filled up with as many things as that they wish that it was but they're over here trying to prep and get ready for the next stage of their life when it comes you know um it's just been a weird weird year but i'm glad to know that like you're that you're moving everything has been going good because uh, once October hits, man, like, I know me, like, it takes me multiple trips to, like, get all my shit in order, so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to start the moving process early, get all my non-essentials over there, so I can, you know, pro- like, progressively, like, move, like, my mattress and my bed and everything else, you todo. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely getting a, a moving truck for you, because there's no way, oh, is that- <laughs> there's no way, I, there's no way I'm gonna let you take multiple trips. All right, we're getting, uh, a, we're getting a moving truck. Okay. We're moving the big stuff. Uh, and then whatever else you can take in your car, you're taking your car. Okay, okay. Well, I appreciate you, Broski. But you know what else? That uh, You know what I've been, like, really? This week has been, I mean, uh, this week for me personally has been, like, mostly a blur. And uh, I told you earlier, it's been, like, one of those, like, really foggy weeks where you make it to, like, Friday, Saturday, and you're like, what the hell did I do? do Monday through now like I I I don't I don't even fucking know you know and um so it's been one of those weeks for me but the one thing that I have like and the one thing that I have found really exciting is the fact that Halloween's coming up which I don't know why I'm super hyped about it you know because it's not like we can go to any Halloween parties but the whole like dressing up element has still not gone away right so, you remember that picture that I sent you over Messenger about uh, the um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album with, like, the Kanye ballerina, right? Yeah, yeah, it was dope. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And so, I was thinking that if you're willing to, we could do a pairing costume. And because I saw I saw this, uh, I need to send it to you so you can visually see it, Uh this image on like Pinterest or whatever, where a guy dressed up as basically the, uh, the, the, the iconic bear from late registration. Right. And basically had the same setup with uh, the album in the back, but for late registration. And if you're willing to, I think that that would be the dopest thing ever. Just think about it. Ricardo. If you do any favor for me in my life, just think about it. We could go as like, a pair of Kanye albums for Halloween. How fucking dope would that be? <laughs> uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be... I don't know if I would like to do the... I mean, the late... I love late registration. Nothing, that's not yeah. a knock, this is not a knock on the album. I think if I had yeah. to pick a... I think if I had to pick, like, an album that I wouldn't mind emulating would be more of the, uh... The, uh... The suit that Kanye was wearing on the, uh... Not on the cover, but on the inside the sleeve of the uh, 808 and Heartbreaks album. Where okay, he had, okay. Where, where yeah. he has he mm-hmm. has he has the uh, lapel the on. Gray. Yeah, and then he has the, uh, the the broken heart on his uh on his chest. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a whole lot easier too, because then you would we wouldn't have to find like a a bear head dress yeah. costume for yeah. you. I've always liked yeah. that. I've always liked that look and the the uh, the vibe of that uh that cover art and the, uh, the sleeve and all that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a possibility. Dope. So, so we'll, uh, Dope. we'll definitely look into it. 
it, it, I mean, it's a done deal in my head. Like, I'm already planning it out. Like, we're doing it. But, okay, <laughs> I am so hyped. Um, which, I mean, I don't know what Halloween or the rest of this year is going to look like anyway. Um, and I guess with all of that, we should probably address uh, the news that uh, came in late last night uh, regarding uh, Chadwick Boseman, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, we're recording this on, uh, on a Saturday, the, uh, the 29th of August, and, uh, just late last night, uh, like, just, just seeing it was, you know, was just one of those moments, along with a lot of other things this year, that it just seems so, so unreal, and just very hard mm-hmm. to, to, uh, comprehend, and just knowing that somebody who has, you know, dedicated a lot of time and effort to, you know, bring in a lot of, to bring entertainment to a lot of, um, people's lives, you know, children, uh, adults, you know, older people, like, it's just, it's something that, that I can't fathom right now, and I'm still having a hard time processing, just knowing that he, I, if I could say any good thing, I would want to say that he probably did go out, you know, enjoying his time, you know, the, 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 the time that he had remaining on this earth, and, you know, from what I read, he was surrounded by his uh, his family and his wife, his, wife so. his kids. So I mean, I guess if you're gonna go out anyway, that would be the best uh, way. But it still doesn't ease the uh, the pain and like the just the distraughtment that I feel, just knowing. And you know, there's a part of me that says, you know, this is normal, this is death, mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna happen to everybody. This is just the, the part mm-hmm. of life. You know, cancer is a uh, a terrible disease that you know claims the, the lives of so many people each year but it that doesn't you know help the other side of me that just wants to just break down and just not even you know not acknowledge what what's going on you know just try to get away from it as much as possible yeah yeah no i, I totally understand and i mean yeah chadwick boseman for those who don't know which i mean i don't know if you have an internet connection how could you not at this point right um he uh, passed away uh sometime yesterday from stage four colon cancer um and obviously he was most notably known for playing black panther uh but a lot of his earlier works included uh movies like get on up uh which is basically this biopic uh with um james uh, biopic of james brown, james brown. Uh, mm-hmm. 21 bridges and 42 which is this uh biopic of uh what's his name robinson jackie robinson uh, ja- jackie robinson yeah. that's right that's right and I just, I remember the first thing that I ever saw him in, it was uh, uh, Get On Up. And that's before, you know, he was, I mean, at least to my knowledge, before he was a household name, you know, because I really feel like Black Panther was the thing that really propelled him to, you know, uh, the, the mainstream, you know, knowledge and everything like that. And I just remember thinking, I don't ever remember thinking that James Brown was this freaking gorgeous. Like, that was, I, that Chadwick Boseman was a gorgeous man inside and out, you know, and of course, like, it's so funny that when it comes to celebrity deaths, you know, um, there's this like outpouring of like, like mourning and sadness and, and it's just like the Kobe Bryant thing for whatever reason. When Kobe died, even though I'm not a fan of basketball, you know, I don't care about the sport. I don't know 
uh, I don't know jack squat about Kobe other than like what happened with his death and his daughter and the helicopter and everything else but it hit different it just did and it was because it fell and uh, I think when did he pass away was it in January, in January. Was it? yeah I was mm-hmm. still in um I was still in Hawaii and it was a yeah. sun- it was a Sunday it was a it had to be I think it was the 26th of January if I'm getting my date correct yeah, why well, you remember the exact day and everything? Yeah, I think it was the 26th because I was leaving that that following week back to back to the mainland and back to Texas. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, and that was you know that's another one that just hit hard. You know, not just mm-hmm. me being a basketball fan and being a Kobe fan, but it just like I said, it just seems unreal in that you know time. It, it feels like time should just stop at this point because I don't know how how yeah. it could, how it, it could continue. Like I don't want to allow time to keep going if this is how it. If if this is how it's supposed to end, then you know, let it end right here. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I, I feel that sentiment. I do, um, because the the one thing that's been beating into like for us to really say the one thing that's been beating into my head all this year amongst all these deaths and this global pandemic and these injustices and with Kobe and with Chadwick is that life is short life is in in unpredictable and love is precious and like i i say this i i say this because we walk around thinking before 2020 i'm serious i feel like before 2020 the most the majority of us walked around 2019 was probably one of the best years of my life like I'll be candid like I had a really great job like I was in the best shape of my life I had really great friends and family etc etc in 2020 hit near the end of 2020 and like and not to 20 I feel like I almost don't want to disrespect everybody else's trials and tribulations by like talking about my own shit because I feel like both universally, like as a nation and as a globe, and personally, 2020 has like really, really tried us, you know, it, it really has. And I just, it, it's made me also way more appreciative of the people that I have around me, you know, and when I get the news of someone like Chadwick Boseman, that uh, passed away that, I mean, outside of a movie star, he was still, like you said, he was still a human being. You know, he's still a regular person that had a wife and a family and people that loved him. And obviously, obviously a very humble guy that he could go like four years with cancer and basically nobody know, at least not the mainstream people, uh, mainstream audience know, and him just like quietly pass away. And it just... It makes me want to one love the people in my life more, like add like like very consciously, very intentionally, the people that choose to be in my life to love them more and let them know more often. And two, like love myself more, you know. I don't I don't know if Chadwick knew that he was going to pass away when he did. I know that Kobe certainly didn't know. But the but the idea that life is this unpredictable and that we really don't know when either a loved one is going to go or when we ourselves are going to go means that 
there is no time to waste in holding on to things that don't serve you, people that don't love you, and not loving yourself first and foremost enough to like go after the things that you truly want out of life. You know, like what are we waiting for? Like whose approval are we seeking when we worry about you know, if people are going to, you know, make fun of us for this or people are going to disapprove that we took the chance on moving out and doing this and et cetera, et cetera. Like, what exactly are we waiting for? Because if nothing else, 2020 has been pure evidence of the fact that, you know, there is there is no day like today. There is no time but right now to love others, to love yourself and to work for the things that you truly want. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, I was going to say, I, I I feel like, you know, he had a pretty good idea of what was to come because it was terminal. Mm-hmm. The cancer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. He, he probably knew the yeah. uh, maybe not exactly how many weeks or months he had left, but he knew it was probably soon. Yeah. And he uh, I do. He did mention it once that I know of. So mm-hmm. work, working at a at a at a news station, we would run uh live with uh kelly ripper and ryan seacrest uh every morning at nine nine a.m mm-hmm. and uh i was there for my monday uh day shift and normally these shows are running in the background i'm not paying attention you know my, my job is not to pay attention to the show it's just to make sure that they're up and running um mm-hmm. so they had them as a guest i think maybe two months ago it had to be like june or something like that and he brought it up that he was I remember just because, you know, I'm a fan, so I'm like, hey, shut we both, man. So I decided to, like, just pay attention a little. And during that, that little Skype interview they were having, uh, he mentioned that he was, uh, you know, suffering with cancer, you know, very briefly. Um, and that kind of, like, took me by surprise. I'm like, oh, crap. But he didn't get into detail of, like, how bad it was. He mm-hmm. mentioned that he had it and, you know, he's fighting it, you know, trying to, you know, you know, appear strong you know in front of like uh an interview you know you don't want to i think a lot of times you know it's very hard to admit that you know it, this could be the end i'm pretty sure you know if this was just a couple weeks ago it had to be uh it had to be pretty he had to know that you know the, the time was you know in, imminent yeah so yeah just, no uh, that's no what you're gonna say just seeing that was uh just knowing that information and then, you know, coming to where we are now, it's just astonishing of how quickly something can can be here and be gone the next day. But I think also, I, th- I think I also want to say that uh, just to kind of end my point, um, we we can talk about all day about the terrible things that have happened this year, about the, uh, the mm-hmm. deaths, the social injustices. But I think if I want to give a piece of advice to anybody who's listening is always never letting those terrible aspects of this year, never giving them enough power, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we can fight, we can fight against the injustices. We can grieve over the loss of somebody that people love, but never, never let yourself give enough power to that, to that grief, to that, to that horrific incident. Don't, don't shy away from it. Not not saying not to acknowledge it, but just don't give it that power to affect you in that in that type of terrible way. Yeah, or at least or at least not forever. You know, obviously we're gonna go through phases and stuff, but I mean, you're right. I 
And here's the thing, and I'm going to get really, like, not that, like, we've been super happy-go-lucky in this podcast so far, but I'm going to get a little doom and gloom here for a second. There is no guarantee, folks, uh, mujeres and hombres, that once that clock strikes 12 on December 31st, and it's officially January 1st, 2021, that things are going to get, like, somehow miraculously better, you know? And it's just, like whenever someone close to you does pass away or whenever you go through a breakup or something like that, whenever you go into, I feel like this country and this world is go are basically entering this sort of like phase of pain and phase of like just really like audacious, uh, really audacious things happening. And we don't know when it's going to end. But just like you said, Ricardo, we have to have that resiliency of knowing that it will end eventually. It may not end on January 1st, 2021. Like you have to be like you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be ready for that, you know, or it might get, you know, better. Well, I mean, it, I don't know what is better at this point, but it it might be somehow better like two months from now in November like it basically what we're trying to say is you know keep your head up keep your resiliency with you and know that we as human beings were adaptable you know like we can basically survive anything and like our, our hearts our uh, mental fortitude all of that is like way more stronger than we fucking think think okay so I mean let's go you know yeah, like, exactly. 2020 is not about to take us down, baby. Yeah. It's just not. Exactly, yeah. And, that, and that's the mind state I try to carry every single day. Like, I'm not going to let a year, quote unquote, you know, bring me mm -hmm. down, you know. Exactly. No matter how much how much stuff goes on, I just always keep it in the back of my mind. Like, there's always been worse years, man. Like, there's always been civil unrest. There's always been wars. There's always been violence. The, the death of notable people. That's always going to happen. And it's probably happened worse uh, in past decades, you know, ten times. Um, it's just a perspective man and we're not yeah. trying to downplay anyone's feelings you no, know but we're no, just no. saying you know perspective matters you exactly. know yeah, perspective keeps your head above water but yeah looking at the bigger picture you know i'm a big history guy so i always look i always look uh back to the past i'm always looking like all right what did they do how did they get over this you know who who died in this year who died in this decade you know what major events happened and i just always i take that into into context of what we're going through now i'm just like you know it's gonna be okay you know it's going to be okay, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so on all of those notes, uh, something that is actually uh, coming up before 2020 ends, and I know that you feel very differently than me uh, when it comes to this, Ricardo, and it's going to be uh, the Emmys that are coming up on September 20th. Uh, and I could not be any more excited. Um, I know that they're doing things a little different this year, as per usual. Uh, same thing with uh, the VMAs y todo eso. But I'm just excited for, like, all of the different nominations. And I know that you couldn't care less, for the most yeah, part. This is true. Yep. Yeah. Um, but with the Emmys with me, and I know that your reasoning for it, your reasoning for it is not absurd, okay? Um Basically, with me, what I get excited about when it comes to award shows, it's not that I feel like, okay, so a, like a smidge, a snob, a snobby, a snobby smidge part of me feels, it does feel a little validated when like, like my shit, like my show that is like, 
that is the shit for me, like wins an award, like I get excited about that stuff, right? I do feel a little validated. But more than anything else, I love it because it's it it exposes me and exposes other people to basically what might have been like underrated or like under um under scouted like television shows and like quality pieces of content that people might have not been aware of you know it happens every year when i listen to like other radio shows and other podcasts and they're like i didn't even know like this movie existed i didn't even know this tv show was a thing it's like yeah like you gotta check that shit out and i feel like that opens so many doors for like really good art and really good artists that are trying to you know get that exposure that they really need so i mean that's why i get really hyped about it um uh the only thing i don't get is like why the validation like why do you Mm -hmm. need the validation that's what that's why i really get confused there because for me there is so many things that i love so many things that i cherish uh works of art that I know will probably never get the light of day, but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, give me that. I don't think I've ever feel that, that, well, at least recently, you know, in my life where I feel like it has to be acknowledged by the greater, by the greater, uh, mainstream audience, you know, it's just something that, you know, I love and I want to keep listening to, I want to keep enjoying. And you know, that's, that's all I need for a lot of times. So where does that where, where does this validation come from? Because that's where I really get uh, confused on. Because there's only I'll, I'll be honest, there's only two moments recently with the Grammys. Let's say the Grammys, all right? Where, uh-huh. I, was, where I was shocked that these things actually won. So it recently uh-huh. was was Tyler winning best uh-huh. rap, rap rap album for Igor. I thought that was yeah, amazing. that was wild. Uh, but still, that was rap album. I feel like he should have gotten a little bit more prestige in the category. I feel like he should have you know he should have gotten um because he was nominated for bigger not to say, not to take away from the rap category, but when it comes to the Grammys, you know, a lot of times those things are like pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then J Rock, J Rock Redemption album won the best rap album, and I thought, uh, well, no, no, I don't think it was best rap. Album. I think it was like for best rap collaboration. I think it was a song, but still, nonetheless, seeing J Rock win a Grammy, that that blew my mind. Knowing that somebody, I can't, like, yeah, knowing, knowing somebody that that put in the work, that like just grinded from the bottom. Because he's been at this forever. A decade plus. He's Mm -hmm. been doing this forever. And to see him win something, it, you know, I don't think it was validation for me, but I did, you know, just make me happy. Yeah, I was proud that somebody that I've been following for so many years, along with Tyler, um, really got their their just due. So, but, you know, just to go back to the question. So why, why the validation? Why is that so important to you? Well, here's the thing is that that's that sense of pride and that sense of like enthusiasm that you felt for J-Rock Broski, that's how people feel, you know, for like the show that they ride with when, you know, like Shit's Creek or I don't know, like the I don't know what like I honestly like when it comes to the Emmy nominations, like. Uh, I've just been obsessively, like, uh, reading up on everything that uh, Insecure Cinematography and, like, Sound Choreography and everything else have been nominated for. So, um, oh, and uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. So I'm not too familiar with the other nominations just yet, but uh, I'm going to read up on them soon uh, because it is coming up. But to me, the validation comes from 
something that you've been following for a long time and you just want to see them get that clout. Like that's what it is. I want them to I want to see them get the credit that I know that they deserve for working as long as they have for and yes, the the other argument to that uh when it comes to like validation from who? Validation from what? Like at the end of the day, like the Emmys, the Grammys, the VMAs, whatever, like this is uh uh this popularity is an contest. industry, popularity. a popularity contest in yes. an industry that has obviously has and uh, has and has been and can be like bribed into you know uh because at the end of the day for the most part even though they have been trying to make pushes forward a more uh diverse voting system has been mostly full of like older white men choosing you know what's hot and what's not you know like industry suits basically and so when you look at it that way like yeah there's like uh, there's a sort of weird sense of, okay, like, whose approval are we actually trying to get, you know? Is it approval for the people or approval of, like, these, like, random industry suits, you know? Um, so, but that's a whole other discussion in and of itself, and, like, we don't have to, like, get way into that. But at the end of the day, like, I know I know people that watch Emmys and Oscars y todo eso for, like, the costumes and the thing. Yeah, I'm not into that. I just love to see people get rewarded for their hard work, you know, especially when you've been following them for a long time. And for me, that's why I've been all about the Emmys for Issa Rae and Insecure, because this is like their first legitimate, like, nominations where they've gotten one for, like, Yvonne Orji, who plays Molly, and, like, uh, Penny Pentress, you know, which is the showrunner uh, for Insecure, and, like, for their cinematography and for their sound. And... I just can I just really want to see art being rewarded, you know, like and it's not that it hasn't been by other like smaller like facilities and stuff uh, outside of the Emmys. I think they've won a couple of Peabody Awards, I believe. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's always something that I look forward to. And it's always something that just like makes me so happy when I see people actually get what I feel they deserve. It's still it's still hard for me to understand, just because these shows that you mentioned, it's not like they're like underground shows. It's mm-hmm. not like they don't have an audience. Like Insecure has an audience. Like Insecure has been pretty, has been popping for a minute now. Uh, Black I Lady, mean, you... Black Lady mm-hmm. Sketch Show are popping. Like you cannot tell me that these shows are not popular. Everywhere I look, people talk about them. Whether it be Variety, you know, mainstream magazines, whether it be on Twitter. Whether it be uh, but bro, the urban it's people your talk- algorithm. People it's your talk- algorithm. It doesn't matter. People talk about it. these things are trending topics. When when Insecure was airing, they were trending topics every single every single uh every single show airing on Sunday. They were yeah. they were there, and that's 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 just not the algorithm. That's other people, you know, showing why they love these shows and why they support the the people in them. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like if you see all this stuff around you that people love. Why does the validation still matter that much? Well, and I'm not saying like let's say that uh, let's say that they were completely uh, washed out and uh, in the sense of like they didn't get nominated for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that a Penny or Issa would have been like would have been severely upset either way because like like to your credit, like you said, like every week, every Sunday. 
Like, we were on that shit. Like, every time the new episode aired, like, us and thousands and thousands of other people on Twitter were on these hashtags, you know, having discussions about, like, what went down with Molly and, uh, and like, what went down with all of these other characters and things like that. So that in and of itself is the reward to, like, have a community built that, like, rides with you and that rides with the storylines and that is, like, emotionally invested in this world that you created. But that doesn't take away the fact that if I ever bring up Insecure to any of my friends that aren't you, Ricardo Mexicano, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, for the most part, they won't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you know? Like, I know... Uh, I know one of my best friends that like lives across the street from me pretty much. She has never seen that show in her life. And uh, I mean, I really think that like she's missing out and there's so as, as much as, uh, because I feel like, especially when it comes to the internet, we have, we have a uh, way of getting into our own universe, our own bubble uh, when it comes to our little portions of, cause the internet is like outer space, bro. Like, like, that should be the real question. You know, when people ask, you know, uh, what's bigger, the ocean or outer space? I feel like the question should be expanded on that now. It, what's bigger, the ocean, the outer space, or the Internet? Because I feel like that's available now. I really do. Um, and because there's so many different pockets of the Internet, I think that for you and I and everyone else, it's easy to get lost in, in our niches you know, you have like uh, skincare and you have uh, uh, you have skincare and you have fitness and you have like cult followings about this show and cult followings about this movie or this album and et cetera, et cetera, that we don't realize how many other people yet don't know about what we know, you know. And I just feel like the Emmys and the Grammys and everything else is just really cool exposure. Like I knew like here's an, another example. I knew about D-Glove. Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, like, when I was uh, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, like, I grew up on his YouTube videos, on his, like, comedy shows, on his mixtapes, long before, you know, Redbone came out, long before This Is The Internet, long before Camp, even, um, which was, I think, which, was Camp his, like, first official, like, studio album, like, right after all his mixtapes? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, even before Camp came out, like, I knew about his artistry and, like, his humor and the way that he went about things and just basically who he was as a person. And I'm not saying that to, you know, like, brag, oh, like, oh, look at me, blah, 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 like, I'm such a hip-hop hipster, whatever, you know? I'm saying that that in my universe and the friends that I hung out with in the internet places that I followed, like, this like all of his stuff was very common knowledge to me, you know, cause I lived in that bubble and it's not until he hit mainstream with this single here or, you know, uh, awaken my love or whatever that suddenly now everybody can, uh, most people can say the name childish Gambino or Donald Glover, uh, to, uh, someone of the age between 20 and 40 and you'll know who they're talking about, you know? And that's the kind of experience, Exposure and recognition that has, yes, it's good and it's bad, but at least he's finally getting his credit where credit is due for his artistry. And that's something that even though, again, it has its good, it's bad. Sometimes, like, new fans can be really annoying, but 
like I'm still happy for him in that in that aspect, and that's all I want for you know shows like Issa Rae and uh, shows that are produced by Issa Rae and like people of color and you know um, and like even Hispanic and uh, Latinx directors and things like that because that's that's what the push for representation at the end of the day is about, right? That we want to be exposed, that we want to have we want to be exposed so we can one day have those places of power. So one day we can be instead of the industry, instead of the white folks in the industry suits uh, voting for what's hot in the Emmys and the Grammys and the Oscars, that we can be in those tables and that we can have a say in those choices and in those seats so that we can open up the doors for other people. That's the whole point. And that's why it matters, you know, and maybe that's a very saintly, naive way uh, or pure or I guess um I don't know, pure way of looking at it, but uh, I just feel like, uh, yes, it's a popularity contest, but like, uh, what isn't, you know? And uh, at the end of the day, you got to put some faith in that and you have to, you know, enjoy it for what it is. That's just my take on it anyway. Yeah, I feel I feel that the when you mention like being in the boardroom and being you know getting these type of shows out on the correct mm-hmm. audience and platform that's all good and well like you know i'll ride for that all day you know getting a certain people group and in this industry that industry you know that's all well and dandy like i said to me it's all about the the conflict i have is all about the validation portion because to me i will never in my in my age in my in the realm of existence that i am will never care about what people think about doom because i know people what they think about doom <laughs> i know uh-huh. that i love doom i know he's the greatest of all time uh-huh. i know there's people that also feel the same way he's your rapper's favorite rapper there's nobody that's mm-hmm. gonna come close and doom at this point will never win a grammy he will never win anything but that does not make him any less great and that does not make him any less exposed to the people who are exposed to him yeah uh, yeah, I mean, and there's and there are artists that are literally like meant to have that kind of career where they, where they're going to live in this pocket of the internet in, in like this obscure pocket of the internet, and they're okay with that, you know, that they don't need the fame and the accolades, and maybe they don't see their mission as you know going so far as to open doors for other people on such a mainstream platform, but mostly like doing it in a quiet underground way. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I feel this this isn't Mm -hmm. even about internet. Like, like Mm -hmm. I bring up doom as a perfect example because he is pre internet. Doom has been, Mm -hmm. you know, at this for like 20, 20 years, even more, you know, if you know his KMD days with his, with his brother Mm -hmm. in the late eighties, he's been at this forever pre internet. So that's the kind of, Respect. I didn't really feel that old. Wow. That's the kind of respect, exposure, and and just um, reckon, um, being recognizable of a person that I really mess with. You know, whether it be Doom, yeah. whether it be uh, directors, or you know, people that you know they may just have never gotten that break. You know, and a lot of times that's what it is. It's just that opportunity. I feel like shows like Insecure. Um, uh, euphoria, stuff like that. They've gotten that 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 chance to really be out there because of you know how technology has advanced, because people in the industry are more diverse and being willing to give these shows a chance, and that's great. I love that. But I will never. But just because you didn't get a, a little gold trophy will never take away your brilliance and what I see in you. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that, uh, I mean, people that have their heart on straight, they, I mean, they don't, obviously they would like to win for different reasons. Right. But I even read in an interview uh, that Issa said is that she's like, um, she said something along the lines of, I've been nominated for Emmys before. Like, that's not, not that I'm ungrateful, yeah, but has. I was yeah. way, uh, but I'm way more excited. I was way more excited. Like, my heart stopped when I heard Yvonne's name, who plays Molly, I heard Yvonne's name be nominated for an Emmy, uh, for an Emmy because that meant, wow, they're actually paying attention to us now. It's not just, like, me getting a nomination, you know, just for the sake of, oh, let's just stick this, like, uh, kind of sort of famous name on there to say that we're being diverse and stuff. Like, this is this is people actually paying attention to the characters of our show and opening other doors and stuff. Like, that's what was really exciting to me. Like, that's what she said, and that was really cool, so. And I think, and I have that same sentiment, you know, going back to the J-Rock example I brought up earlier. I loved it so mm-hmm. much because, you know, J-Rock is part of that TDE camp. And mm-hmm. yeah. being, and seeing that, that Rock was nominated for something before Kendrick was, and that, mm. year, and, and, and that year, I don't think Kendrick was nominated for anything. He may have been nominated for the Black Panther soundtrack, but I, I think that was yeah. it. But even the, even so, like just seeing that somebody who's not really, like if you were to ask somebody who was all on TD, they probably couldn't name anybody past Kendrick and Schoolboy. Um, and just to see him finally get that, like, like you said, that recognition, you know, you know, makes you really feel proud to see somebody that really put in the time and effort really reach that height, you know? And not, and 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 my final point is that just because you've reached that height doesn't mean everybody's gonna know you. There's there are plenty of people that are gonna see you on TV, see you get the award, and are probably still gonna skip over you. But that shouldn't discourage you from making you, your art. Yeah, or or make you feel any less valuable for the the time that you put into the work that was recognized. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, I'm totally with that. Um, and that actually. That reminds me of a tweet that you were that we were coming in sort of uh, discuss uh, discussing before we started recording the podcast uh, regarding um, let's see uh, it was regarding Queen and Slim mm-hmm. right and it was something that you retweeted and like read it to me one more time because I, I I totally forgot oh yeah okay sorry I'm gonna let you say it did you find it I got it right here yeah yeah go ahead and read it okay so. Uh, just keep it in, in this uh, entertainment realm discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Queen of Slim was recently added to HBO uh, Go, HBO Max, uh, I think the last week, I believe last week. And me and me and Vettel actually saw it in, well, like, when we see it, like October, November, something like that? I think we saw it, like, the first week that it came out or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we see it in Tyler? I think we did. Pretty much, yeah. I'm I'm almost certain that it was in Tyler. It was big enough to be in Tyler. Yeah. yeah. So we 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 watched it, uh, and I can't I can't even remember my I remember my initial reaction being like, okay, that was cool. I saw what they were going for. The ending mm-hmm. was the ending was bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until <laughs> after that I was able to like really process it and really be like, you know what? That really wasn't, that was a lot of dumb decisions made in that movie. Like from a yeah. story, from a storyline perspective, from uh, decisions. And and I saw this tweet a few days ago and I'm going to read it. It says, the cinematography was great. The black people were beautiful. Soundtrack was fire. But this is hands down one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And when I saw that, I'm like, yes. Now, will I go as far as to say it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen? 
No. I don't think that's it's a little of, bit of a hyperbole. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think, yeah, personally, I don't think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. If I had to rate it quickly, one out of ten, I'd probably give it Did a four. Did you those stars? 4.5, like a 4.5. Okay. Maybe a light five, but heavy on the Wait, out of ten? Okay, out of yeah, ten. Okay, yeah, not out of five. Okay. No, 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 out of ten, out of ten. Okay. And, yeah, I, 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 I told Harley, I, I agree with that, you know, 100%. It is one of those movies that you think with all these people behind it, you know, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Master of None? What's her, what's her, uh, the, the writer on the show? Uh, uh Master... Leah. Uh, Lena Way. Yeah, Lena Way. Yeah, she worked on it, so she worked on the on the film, and there was other, there was two other. She's in Chicago, or in Chicago. What's it called? Chi Town or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She works on that. Uh, you know, she does amazing work. I don't Mm -hmm. think. I don't. I I love her. I don't think there's anything against her. You know. Mm -hmm. I just believe that there were certain elements in that film that just didn't need to happen. Mm -hmm. And. Because of some of those decisions and motives that were made, it just really kind of lost the point where, yes, I I understand movies don't have to end in tragedy, but there's always there was this constant theme in the film that, you know, things were going to be all right and that, you know, no matter how bad things got, there's going to be a way out. And for that movie to end the way it did. Um. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but it was just a complete, almost like a waste of time. Well, in a lot lot of ways. uh, Hold up. It came out in like 2018. Are you really going to be spoiling it? If like, if you haven't seen it, came out last year. Are you sure? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. I guess within a year, it still counts as spoiling. Okay. never mind. Go on. Yeah. Um, like, and just some of the decisions where, you know, that car scene and the protests, you know, that mm. was just kind of, I, I, I kind of get it. It's supposed to be passion, but, you know, displayed on two different spectrums of passion. Mm-hmm. And just, and, you know, kind of like the display of, like, the kid that was in the protest and, like, his actions were like, really? You're going to really make a kid look like that? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's always this perception of, of black boys and how they're dangerous. And you're really going to have, like, a, a kid do that? Like, really? And it was just... And there was just some scenes where it was just like you know they go to go see the they go see the the girl I can't remember her name she was a lawyer the you know the queen yeah um, I, I mean that's not her name in the film they never refer to them as Queen of Slim in the film uh, but they go see their uncle and she, they get like a car and he's and his uncle's like a pimp I think because he has like a bunch of women around him would and... you consider this a black exploitation sort of film? No, no, I think it's more like a Bonnie and Clyde, Thelma and Louise type of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I don't, but, think, um, I don't, I don't think it's black exploitation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, mainly because, you know, even though a lot of black exploitation films were made by black people in the 70s, they were a mm-hmm. lot of time displaying the worst of black people in those, in those uh, films. You know, even though they were made by, you know, their own people. A lot of those films, if you watch them now, they were kind of displaying the worst of, you know, black people mm-hmm. and and not really uh, the the nuances of like what black people really are. Like in this film. Yeah, it's cool. She's a lawyer. That's 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 reality. You know, you know, there are black, you know, there are sophisticated black women who are a lawyer. And then he's just a regular Joe who works at a Costco, I think it was. 
And he yeah, had, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, and, and he had a family. And they met on Tinder or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I remember I saw this this uh, this video where where the person was trying to argue that oh it's not realistic because why would a lawyer be going on a date with somebody from Costco? I'm like that's kind of real life when you think about it. Like it's yeah, not, and that's very classist of you, yeah. dude. Like come on now. Yeah, I'm like like I, like I don't think it's that far fetched. Like yeah, maybe maybe somebody who's a lawyer might have higher standard, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So. That's my take. Like I said, like like that tweet, yeah. Beautiful people in the film, beautiful soundtrack, uh, cinematography on point, one thousand. But terrible movie, terrible premise. Should have gone a different direction. What do you got to say? <laughs> I I mean I pretty much agree with the fact that I mean aesthetics were on point to uh the nth degree when it comes to that movie uh and uh basically uh like we had said it was uh it was a story about an attorney a black attorney that goes on tinder and that she meets up with the uh to date like this guy that works from costco uh and a bunch of sequences of events happen to where they have to run away from the law and uh, they have to go through this entire journey in order to not be caught. And uh, it's more like a uh, romantic road trip crime drama, like you said, a Bonnie and Clyde. And my take on it is, and it's it's been like a year since I've seen this, so details are a little fuzzy, but more or less, I remember it being... And you and I have talked about a little about this, and we won't get into this until probably another podcast or something. But to me, it just it was such a dramatic turn of events that to me it was a little cheesy. Um, and don't get me wrong, like I love my cheese, I love like grandiose subjects. I love to it just was not realistic for me for an attorney and for someone that you know um, it. It's it's not it just didn't seem realistic for me for two normal people to suddenly find themselves you know running away from the law you know and I guess that sort of that it there's just something about the way that the plot uh that the plot played out that it didn't seem seamless and that it didn't didn't seem to make sense and I had the same opinion with uh, Lovebirds you know with uh, Kumal and uh, um and Issa Rae. And uh, I know, like, how many times can I mention her name in one podcast? Let's count. Um, but it was the same thing that it was fun to watch. I mean, the, and I will say that to the same, even Queen and Slim was fun to watch. Like, it's beautiful to watch. It's an enjoyable thing if you have two hours to kill. And it's not that it's not quality. But if you really, if you're not into that genre for the sake of being into that genre, then you see how problematic it can be and how just dramatic for the sake of being dramatic it can be. And that was like my problem with it, you know? And I, like I said, I love Lena Waithe who uh, did basically create this film, you know, uh, wrote it, produced it, all of that good stuff. Um, I, I love her as a person. And I even, the reason that Lena Waithe even got exposed to like the mainstream media, because I mean, she's been out here for a minute, but she's most notably known because, like you said, uh, Master of None with Aziz Ansari, that Thanksgiving episode um, where she basically comes out to her mother, that sort of thing. Like she got discovered basically through that episode. But when it comes to her writing skills, she wrote she that owned- too. She wrote that yes. episode too. 
I know, and I love that episode. That was actually one of my favorite episodes of Master of None, like, point blank. But usually when she writes, like, really long stuff, like, when it comes to movies or even TV shows, and, like, the couple of episodes I've seen of her Chicago show, I feel really bad that I don't know the full name of it. But uh, The Shy, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes it leans into more more dramatics than is of my taste. Like, I'm not that much into drama, you know, like if it's if it stretches out to the point where I'm like, OK, I get it. Like, you know, people are going through stuff. It's really depressing. Like, let's have like let's add some levity to it. And aesthetically, Queen and Slim was gorgeous to look at. Um, at the end of the day, I do think that uh, they laid it on a little thick. And that's basically my take on it, that it was a little bit too much. Uh, like you said, especially the ending. You know, um, from what I remember, like the details of it, I feel like a lot of it, especially the shoulder blade. Do you remember the uh, the shoulder blade scene? That was intense. Uh, but, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, that's just basically my take on it. It wasn't the best, but it definitely wasn't the worst, like your tweet said, uh, like your retweet said. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I and I feel like that's something that almost is a little cliche to talk, uh, not uh, is a little taboo to talk about every once in a while. Is that we're still in this, we're still in this realm where while we're celebrating art from people of color, you know, it's um, we're still tiptoeing with the idea of like, are we in this? Are we in here enough where we can critique our own work yet? Or do we still have to, like, unconditionally support? Uh, and that's, like, a whole other heavy topic. And I don't no, know if we want I mean, to get into that. Just, just, I mean, no, we don't want to get into, like, the fine detail. But just to touch on that briefly, yeah. because I was, I was just about to bring it up. Yeah. I think it will be completely a disservice mm. to, those, to those people and to their work to patronize them in that way. And just, mm. you know, give them a... Pander. A, a, yeah, just pander and give them, like, a little a slap on the shoulder. Be like, it was okay. You know, you'll get them next time. Like, no. No, if 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 things aren't good, no matter who it is, you know, you should be well within your right. And I think they would appreciate it if you let them know, like, hey, this was not good. Okay, we do it to rappers all the time. We do it to comedians, you know, of color, you know, mm-hmm. black black people in particular. We, you know, you have no you have no issue tearing them down and telling them that that this is trash, this is trash. But when it comes to people who have really TV shows and movies, and actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Comedy and hip-hop has been, like, that's been a one space where, like, uh, people of color can be critiqued and can yeah. be criticized for the yeah. most part, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, like, we take it constructively. Right. But, like, I feel like entertainment-wise, like, this is the first time where we're really getting, like, our feet wet and getting, like, a step on up. Uh, to getting uh, recognized and uh, having doors opened and opening doors for others when it comes to the TV and movie realm that a lot of us, some of us are sometimes you can see it and us are sort of afraid to be honest about a work of a black woman or a work about a a work of a a Latino man. You know, if it's not, if it's not fantastic, you know, we have to hyperbole it like it's the best thing in the world when it might've not been. Right, like I don't, I don't, I personally don't hold my tongue for anything. You know, we talked about Hentified before, mm-hmm. on uh, when we were uh, when we were on live on IG that one. That yeah, one yeah, we did that and, live stream, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know, I like Hentified, but you know, there are parts of it that I'm gonna criticize, you know, and I, yeah. I don't care that it was created by 
you know, I know uh, America Ferrera, she she helped produce and stuff like that. I'm a, I'm a fan of her. I love the stuff she does. But that doesn't mean that her show is perfect and it doesn't have issues. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, like, um, I mean, and that's a whole other thing when I get into America Ferrera and her line of work. But I think that uh, it really comes from a very FUBU mentality. You know, the uh, for us bias, mm-hmm. you know we want so bad and i i get it like i get it because i feel tugged both ways too i want so badly to stand by the things that we do and to encourage us to keep to keep creating and to keep pushing our limits and to keep you know putting our stuff out there not just if it's like a tv show or a movie but hey if you're a person here and that you're wanting to start a blog you know, or a YouTube channel or a pot, like, come on with it. Like, like, show us what you got, you know? And if it's, and if it's mediocre, it's okay for things to be mediocre, but only expect mediocre reactions. You know, it's like, we have to be, we still have to hold ourselves to excellence, you know? And I know that's a lot of pressure because like, that's literally, sometimes that feels like the only way that we can get recognized is that we have to do things 10 times greater to get half the recognition of like a middle-aged white man for doing half of the work that he does, you know? And that's, that's the game that we have to play, but that doesn't mean that like there's, there's going to be, there's always going to be a sense of pride in being who we are, you know, like as a person, whether we're uh, Latino, whether we're black, whether, uh, you know, we're, um, uh, you know, uh, whatever race, whatever, uh, uh, whether we're Muslim, etc., there's always going to be a sense of pride, and that pride comes in how we wake up in the morning and how we go about our day and what we do in our work. You know, with that, we are going to uh, we're. It's just a way of life that we have to hold ourselves to a different standard um, in what we create. So we have to take the criticism, the good and the bad, and we can't be afraid to. You know, um, I mean, if we ask for if we put our work out there in the universe to have uh, to have our brothers and sisters tell us, you know, like what it is, you know, and and take it without necessarily being offended, but also seeing it as, you know, you know, this is a way that I can get better. Right. And uh, just to kind of wrap up this, this topic, I think it's good when you actually have their, your own people from your own community criticize a film mm-hmm. you know about them because uh I'll, I'll i'll give one one clear example is that when you have these films that people love for decades whether it be friday um uh blood and blood out you know which is you know about gangs and mexican life um uh, american me uh, loving basketball. All these films. We still have are... to see Yo No Soy Aquí, but okay, sorry. Yeah, like... that's, 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 well, that's that's more Mexican. You know, that's yeah, like yeah, truly, yeah, truly. Yeah. I'm talking about more uh, American-based stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, these films that are very culturally rele- uh, relevant to your to your people, right? And people mm-hmm. love them. People talk about these films to this day. People love Friday. People love uh, Soul Plane. You know, and mm-hmm. you know these films may not be the best. But you go on, you, you hear like the audience and how much they love it. You know, these are classics. But you go on Rotten Tomato, you go to like a Roger Ebert review, and these things, these movies that we love and revere <laughs> are constantly dogged on. And I mean mm-hmm. disrespected. 15%, 10% of Rotten Tomato, who are you? Man, fuck you, man. Who are you to say that these films aren't good? 
can't you know? disrespect my childhood like and, that. And, like, come up and, and that's where my anger come from. That's where my mm -hmm. anger come from, because like, these people outside of the culture... That's these why you hate out, critics, huh? That's what I'm saying. These people outside of all this shit that I've watched for years that I know is good, and not just me, there's plenty of people around me that can vouch for these projects. We know they're good, but you want to you know, sit on your high horse and say that, oh, it was this, 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 and you give it a 10%, man, forget you, man. I know what's good, and I'm going to keep liking what's good, and you're just a, a little shallow human being. Well, I mean, are you shallow, really, for having an opinion that's different than yours, I, Ricardo? I don't, I don't think I don't think their opinion is invalid because everybody's valid. I don't think everybody has the right to their opinion. But when you try to, like, you try these movies have been constantly attacked because they always are putting they they, they put down what they don't understand. What I'm saying, mm -hmm. you know, they don't understand what makes Friday, what makes Blood and Blood Out, what makes um all these timeless movies that you know certain communities love they don't they don't get that and that's why they they're quick mm -hmm. to judge it and give it such a low review give it such harsh criticism and almost you know almost discriminate them because they don't understand them well i mean yeah that's true i mean and and i feel like personally i feel like i have seen a uh turning point when it comes to at least the Rotten Tomatoes website when it comes to reviews and things like that. I feel like um, I don't know if their uh, demographic of reviewers have changed um, as far as who they get into actually review these movies. But I feel that the more I see, the more films I see that have like uh, a POC in the forefront as far as like uh someone who's direct, uh, directed or started it or whatever, the more chance it gets to, like, being a fresh score on the tomato meter. And that's, I mean, if you, of course, if you follow Rotten Tomatoes like I do, I know that some people don't, like, give a shit about it. You know, I uh, I love it. I, uh, I stalk it every time before I go see a movie. And, of course, I do my own research into it. Like, it's not just, like, one website that I rely on and there we go. But, um that almost that almost leads into the idea that like nowadays people even white reviewers as well as like reviewers of color are more apt to give someone uh, to give a piece of work a positive review uh, just because it's like a more quote unquote woke content than you know uh, just like a regular rom-com with white people in it. Um, and I actually, since you looked at, uh, since you mentioned it, I looked up Friday and on Rotten Tomatoes, it actually has a 78% on the tomato meter. So, I mean, it's actually pretty high for a comedy. That's probably, a pretty solid average score for a comedy. Probably, probably now. I'm pretty sure yeah. if you were to see like initial review, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have been dogging it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that we're stepping into this new era where people are going to you know, reevaluate, you know, uh, like not just current works, but also like old, uh, older POC works of the past that, you know, they didn't either, they dismissed before, they didn't really pay that much attention before because they didn't realize that it was about a world that they didn't understand or that they didn't have any knowledge of. So you can't just like, to your point, you can't just be dismissive of it. You can't just, you know, uh, like throw it away because you don't understand. Right. Um, but you have to, you know, uh, look into it, you know, and see. Uh, I mean, the whole point of art is to see things from another person's point of view. You know, uh, just like Moonlight has nothing to do with me. I am not black. I am not, 
you know, like, uh, I, I am not, yeah. I'm not gay, yeah. you know, I'm not any of those things that Moonlight is about, but it is still a beautiful, stunning film, and uh, even though I can't relate to those things on the outside, everybody can relate to feeling ostracized, feeling like you don't belong, feeling alone, you know, uh, feeling like you're, like, um, feeling like you're you're quenching for thirst for to 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 feel like you know uh, for someone to love and someone to be beside you and someone to fully accept you for you who you are like those are universal feelings and there was a quote actually from something I think a video a YouTube video that you sent me a little earlier in the week um, it said that when I think oh it was that a twenty four YouTube video that. You said uh, that the person on the YouTube video said that when it comes to movies, uh, the uh, I'm totally going to botch this up. It, it said that the um, that the specificity in certain movie topics. Um, ah, shit. The specificity in, in certain movie topics, like uh, basically uh is what unifies us or something like that. Basically, they were saying that very, very hyper-specific movie plots and TV show plots, even though they may not have anything to do with us on the outside, we can relate to them because of, like, the core values and the core human emotions of what they're trying to yeah. get through on the inside, you know? Yeah, the, the core experiences of the human life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, why, that's why you could re- relate to a moonlight. You could relate to a ladybird. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could relate to a... Uh, uh, Florida Project, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think we said enough. For, yeah, we said for, <laughs> for that for that topic. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's see. I think uh, it's about time for us to wrap things up with our uh, good looking out. I oh, know that you had. Oh, I, or did you have? Yeah, yes. I, I just want to make a a big announcement. For, Ooh. Okay. Uh, for myself mainly and also for you too what's going um, on so i got a phone call this morning from uh from a good old friend goes by the name of uh isaiah thornton mm-hmm. and uh he was he was telling you know we're talking and he telling me like hey i got all this 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 podcasting gear from guitar center and i'm mm-hmm. like oh that, that's cool that's cool you know what you're thinking of doing and he brought up like, well, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna start up the uh, the old gang again. So that's what? what I'm announcing is that you know, Minority Agenda, we're coming back, baby. What? That is crazy! Whoa! Yeah, we're coming back. Hell yeah! That's amazing. And so he just hit you up just like that, huh? Yeah, and he told me if I'd be down, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this thing with Veronica right now, but I'm like, but I could do both, man. I, I got yeah, it. Yeah, why not? It's like, I can do both. You know, I'm like, like she'll be here, you know, in a few months. So it'll be a lot easier to do that. But, you know, and then he, he's actually going down to school in, uh, in Houston, TSU, to finish up his uh his degree. Mm-hmm. He should be done by the spring. But, yeah, I mean, Minority Agenda, uh, we're, we're coming back. We're coming back full steam. I'm back on my ignorant stuff, you know. So <laughs> we're, oh, we're yeah. going to get crazy. Uh, for those doing – I miss Isaiah. I love Zay. Yeah, and I think this time it's probably just gonna be me and him. I don't think Jacob is gonna be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Isaiah is probably gonna contact him, but for for now it's just gonna be me and him, and then we're just gonna be having a lot of guests on it. He told me he he really wants to really wants to focus on the guest element this time around and uh, 
he said he had mm-hmm. a lot of people he wants to get on the podcast and uh and i was telling him like yeah i know some people that can probably get on as well so uh we got that set for probably a little i think he said after thanksgiving i believe so you know let's go yeah it'd be coming soon so you know minority agenda which for for people who don't know that was my the first uh podcast that i ever did you know officially officially you know really trying to step out here in the creative uh space uh just to give you a little background i'm not a i'm not a big podcast person i've never been a, a listener per se you know i like my i like brilliant idiots i like joe budden uh i like stuff stuff you don't really know a uh, little podcast like that uh but i've never been a, a really big listener you know i'm uh I, I catch the clips you know i like joe, i like joe rogan i usually catch the clips i'm very very reluctant to like really sit down and listen to a whole podcast but i like speaking so <laughs> that's why i've always been okay with you know doing these po- these long 40 po- podcasts and talking and you know collaborating with uh with great people like veronica somebody like that i, I admire you know so much and yeah oh, look at you yes yeah. i'm super hyped for you guys this is gonna be amazing this is gonna be awesome look at you you multi-podcasting entrepreneur you yeah so if you want to um if anybody wants to tune in to that one, you know, once it's up and running, you know, I'll make sure to post it and all that. But that one is a, a lot more uh, hip hop, sports, uh, pop culture. Very sports. Oh my rele- gosh. Relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're more into like the hip hop talk, like deep in depth, you know, uh, and it's funny because when Isaiah called me, he was like, Ricardo, I need you, man. You're like the encyclopedia of like hip hop. And I'm like, all right, man, I got you. Like, you know. Cause that's, that's what we were known for, you know. He was known for like his hot takes, just you know, just going crazy, and I was known for like my real in-depth uh, analysis of like hip-hop songs and like takes on like the culture and just you know we kind of like really blended together. So you know, I'm excited to bring that back. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's gonna be super exciting. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Uh, like I said, folks, like uh, everyone in your mom has a podcast now, so you know, be be on the lookout for that, you know, because uh, they're coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Well, with that announcement, uh, should we go ahead and step into the good looking out then? Yep. Hit okay. Me. Awesome. Me. What you got? What you got, Vettel? Okay. Well, uh, for this week, um, what I had is I just I uh, got the chance to check out Mucho Mucho Amor on Netflix. So this is uh the documentary with uh regarding uh. Uh, Walter Mercado. So for those of you who uh, don't know, is uh, this uh, famous Hispanic astrologer that, you know, everyone and your grandma grew up uh, with listening to, you know, you woke up in the morning and you had to listen to your horoscope. And, uh, you know, whether you're a Taurus, a Sagittarius, whatever, he would tell you what's up and what your day was going to be like. And it's going back into the history of how he grew up and how he came up and all of that. Uh, because not only was he an astrologer on TV in the Mexican, in the Latin community, uh, but he was also, um, I, I guess he also represented a lot of things um, for the LGBTQ community before. Like, there was a knowing LGBTQ community, you know? Like, he... Uh, and I feel like that's one of the things that was very, like, audacious and very brave of him of the fact that, you know, he was fully and completely himself in an age where, you know, 
uh, and this is one of the downfalls of our culture as like Latinos, where it would be very easy to be made fun of and harassed for being as open and as flamboyant as he was. But basically, it was the documentaries about his life and his comeuppance, and uh, it's uh, directed by uh, Christina Con- Costantini, and um, she is uh, uh, she is of Latin descent as well. Uh, so her so not only has she gotten many awards for this uh, documentary, but she's also has another documentary on uh, Disney Plus called uh, The Science Fair. And I think that one won a bunch of awards at Sundance. But it's just it's it's a really uh, Mucho Mucho Amor is a really uh, awesome documentary about basically someone who's really iconic for us and our parents and our grandparents growing up. Um, and it's just really cool to see that kind of work being done by people like us. So I definitely recommend checking that one out. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good one because, uh, I saw it, I think I saw like a week after it premiered on, on, mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix. I think I saw it, I saw it trending and then I caught mm-hmm. it like a few, a few days later. And yeah, it blew me away because me personally, I never had an attachment. I don't think anybody in my family ever had an attachment to, you know, Walter in particular, like his segments mm-hmm. and stuff like that, just because, you know, growing up in a super, in a very Christian household, you know, ah, we, yes. yeah, we viewed that stuff as, you know, my mom, you know, as, as, yeah. as witchcraft, you know, we don't, we don't listen to that. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, you know, it was kind of like, I kind of tuned it out, you know, it, it was never really something that, you know, uh, caught my interest, you know? But I never really hated him or anything like that. I always thought, you know, like a lot of people, he was like a little bit eccentric. So mm-hmm. when I caught the documentary, I was blown away. Just, you know, seeing somebody so revolutionary for the time, just like the way he dressed, uh, the way that he didn't assign himself like a specific uh, way of like interacting with like people he loved. Like when it came to like, he didn't mm-hmm. discuss sexual orientation. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Like, yeah. None, of, none of that mattered to him. You know, he didn't, lay, he didn't, he didn't let labels phase them. You know, whatever people wanted to say, he let mm-hmm. him say it, but he would never succumb to, like, the pressure, you know? And I just thought that was beautiful, you know? The, just, you know, even though I wasn't personally uh, touched by his his program or his, you know, astrology teachings and all that, you know, I'm sure, I'm glad that he was able to reach as many people as he did around the world, not just, you know, Latin America. Because, uh, you know, they mentioned in the documentary how he would have, he would have like, these hotlines. Yeah, he became be global, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have these hotlines. They'd be live, uh, ringing left and right. And it's just kind of sad that if you watch the documentary, how his uh, manager pretty much like took advantage of him and, you mm-hmm. know, took uh, a lot of money and he really destroyed his uh, career for a while. You know, he couldn't be on TV. He took his name pretty much. He took his name. He couldn't use his own name on uh, on TV. Like he was like he, he was and that's insane to think that your own name is like owned by somebody else. But just to see. The life he lived up until his final days was very beautiful. Just somebody who was always so... I, I admire people who are very uncompromising, you know? Who just yeah. All, who always did them. And that's what I took away from the film. You know, just just do you. They're not going to get it now, but they'll get it eventually, you know? And that's what, I, yeah. that's what I took away. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Very uncompromising. Um, no, and I, uh, I agree for sure. Uh, another one that I wanted to sort of touch on a little bit... Uh, that I think is a movie that's worth watching um, because it's on Redbox now. 
but it definitely goes along with uh, Queen and Slim in regards uh, to the fact that it's a good movie, but it's a better soundtrack. And I've had a lot of those movies uh, recently, or a lot of those movies and TV shows recently, that the soundtrack hits harder than the actual show or movie. Like, what is up with that? What is up with that? Um, I mean, not that I'm complaining or whatever, but I'm finding myself like, watching certain tv shows or watching certain movies and coming away with more artists to follow than more directors and actors to like you know look up what other works they've been in and waves is uh an example of that so waves has to do with a uh black family and it basically tells the story it's it's cool because it kind of splits the movie in half first it tells the story of uh, their son and how he is uh, a very competitive wrestler in his high school. And, you know, of course, I'm not entirely sure if they were trying to touch on the subject of toxic masculinity, but it definitely steered that way. And uh, there were some very dramatic uh, happenings that uh, occurred during the end, which uh, basically had to force his family to live without him for more or less the rest of his life, right? Uh, and then the second half of the movie deals with his sister and how she heals and how she goes through uh, the rest of her high school time um, dealing uh, with the fact that now her brother is now known throughout social media and throughout, you know, her town for doing this horrific act and for now being out of their lives and how she has to heal and how she has to like learn to like love outside of that and trust people again so it's it's kind of like a two-parter the movie is but uh the soundtrack is really amazing it's really dramatic it's really intense and um it, it was good i uh i was uh watching it with uh some friends at their house and i guess like my biggest I don't really have any complaints as far as why it wasn't great, only the fact that I didn't really connect to it that much. Maybe it was because it was mostly, it was kind of like, remember when you and I and a bunch of the crew went to go see mid 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I walked out of, and I walked out of the movie saying, I loved it, I liked it a lot, I really enjoyed it, I didn't connect to it, but I really enjoyed it. And that's, that's an interesting spot to be in when it comes to movies and an interesting spot that you'll find yourself in if you're willing to step outside your comfort zone out of things that you relate to is that a lot of times you'll know that a film is good, but it won't connect to your soul because it basically has nothing to do with you. And I felt like Waves because it mostly had to do the story, uh, story and mostly had to do with the story of this like black boy who, you know, um, went through these pressures of toxic masculinity and like, uh, and like made some bad decisions and like got into a lot of trouble and did really awful things. Uh, this entire story was not something that I could relate to, but it was a good movie. That's how it felt like with mid nineties. Like it was in that had to do with, uh, maybe it's just a issue of toxic boy masculinity that I can relate to because that was mid nineties. has a little bit of that too. Uh, and it was something that I enjoyed, but I can relate to. So I liked it, but I didn't love it. But the soundtrack to Waves was killer. So definitely watch it. Definitely check it out. And you'll find a lot of jams. And you'll enjoy yourself in the process. 
Uh, that's that's one movie I missed last year that I've been wanting to check mm-hmm. out. I I know it stars the guy from uh from Loose. Yes. I know it stars him. Loose was so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I know it stars him. He's a good, really good actor. He was also he also played a little minor role in Photograph. Remember? He was like the little friend yes. at, the, at the little office. So yeah, he's he's a good actor. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that is one movie I still need to catch. Uh, that I that I missed last year. Uh, when I was you know going through my movies that I needed to watch for the year. Um. That's that's kind of strange, you know, the the fact that you that you're very heavy on the connection aspect of movies because there's so many movies out there that definitely I can't connect with because of the the story is so for somebody else, but mm-hmm. I still love them like regardless. Like I love like Florida Project. I can't really relate to that. Uh, eighth eighth grade. I'm not a white girl. I was never a white girl movie. <laughs> but, but, but but like. And like uh The feelings like, of that like, are more universal, yeah. But like but like Moonlight, uh like uh I can't relate to that either. You know, I can relate to some yeah. aspects but not the whole film, but I love these films. So it's kinda strange to me that 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 you kinda harp on the connection aspect so bad and that kinda takes away from the film for you. It's not that I harp on it. What it is, I think my issue well, obviously there's a lot of issues with like the idea of toxic masculinity and things mm-hmm. like that, but I think I've always had trouble connecting with people that are inexplicably angry to the point where it causes harm onto others. I've never been able to connect with it just because I'm like, I'll be straight. Like I'm not that angry of a person, you know, it's hard for, it's hard for my anger to get in the way of like, of like my sense of, what is right and what is wrong and uh, usually my compassion for whoever I'm arguing with. And this is like a fault. This is a flaw of mine too. Like uh, overrides whatever anger I'm feeling. Like I could be so freaking angry with you, but if you tell me that you've had like a really bad day, as much as I'm going to hate myself for it later, like my walls are going to come down and I'm going to be like, uh, I'm going to be checking up on you making sure that you're all right. And that's a flaw in me, you know? And so like, because I have that part of myself, I don't have like these are characters uh, when it comes to waves and when it comes to mid 90s that get so over that get so overcome by their emotion in their anger um, when it comes to toxic mas- masculinity and things like that, that it blurs their decision making skills. And I've never I have never been able to tap into that part of myself, so uh, not it. when it comes to anger. So you have when it comes time. to. So you have a hard time seeing how somebody can get that mad and then make those decisions and, and, make, and make stupid decisions because of it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that part. Like I can empathize with it, but I can't. No, sorry. I can sympathize with it, but I can't empathize with it. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess if you've never gone through that emotion, it is kind of hard to connect, you know, sort of say. Yeah. With that experience. Yeah. Uh, I know for male, that's probably a universal thing, you know, getting yeah, angry, yeah, for getting sure. angry and then in the process doing some very, you know, whether it be light or something Hasty extremely, things. or something, yeah, yeah, just doing stuff out of anger or, you know, making a decision that can affect you for the rest of your life. You know, I think we've all been there and I think yeah. it just comes, I think it just comes with being a man, you know, I think it's just something that, that, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a good thing. For no, sure. it's not a good thing. It's not a good not thing. Not at all. But, but I think Shit. it is. But I, but I think it is part of the process of maturing and becoming an actual man. Of untangling that stuff and being more in touch with your emotions and all that yeah. shit. Yeah, but that's yeah. a whole nother 
discussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, becoming a man and, you know, just operating out here and, you know, just doing the best you can once you have gone through that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about your good looking out, Ricardo? What do you got for us today? Okay, so the only thing I have is a anime that I've been following since season one, and it's uh, it's called Agresuko. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's an anime about the anthropomorphic uh, characters, and the main character is uh, Retsuko. Uh, she's a she's a red panda who works in an office job, like your standard traditional Japanese office job. And she's surrounded by these co-workers, like she has this, this fennec fox named Fennico, and then she has like this spotted hyena friend who has like a crush on her name, Haida. And Is this on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's on Netflix. Uh, They just put out the third season. I literally watched, before we started this podcast, I watched all, I watched nine episodes and there's one more episode to go. So I've been... <laughs> I binged the crap out of it this morning because they're all short. Uh-huh. They're, they're, each episode is like, if you take away the intro, they're like 15 minutes long each episode. Yeah. Um, so they're really short. So you could like you could blow through all three seasons, 30 episodes in like a day for sure. Like half a day, you'll probably be done with it. Um, but it's a great show because you like it's fun. It's a comedy. It's, it's a comedy, but they do touch on serious issues on like Retsuko, the main character, like her just always not wanting to be stuck in this box and like all not wanting to settle for less, you know? And I think you really mm-hmm. like it because it really does touch a lot on, you know, chasing your dreams and like really going out there and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. And uh, let's one go. Of, one, one of the things she does, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a main part of the show is that the way she like releases, cause she's a very timid person. and doesn't really speak out that much. So what she mm-hmm. does a lot is that she'll go to the karaoke bar, you know, this is Japan. So uh, she goes to the karaoke bar and she'll play this, you know, heavy, heavy metal music and just scream her brains out, you know, along with the music. And that's like a form of therapy for her. And so, like, she releases, like, all the tension and anger she had for that day or for that moment and just starts screaming bloody murder to, like, this, you know, amazing, like, guitar riff and just just really put her, uh, I guess, lament, like, everything she'd been feeling for that day. But um, it's a great show. Please, if you haven't caught it, it's Agresuko. Just type in A-G-G in Netflix, you'll find it. And, um... How many Ricardo stars does it get? Uh, for, well, uh, like I said, I still, I'm still need to catch the last episode of season three. But, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, yeah, I would say five. Five out of five. Out of five. Okay, so, well, hold on, hold on. We're going to have to get your metrics straight. Okay, are you I going switch to go it, I switch it up. I switch up. Five out of five. five uh, ten out of ten. I switch it up. I switch Bro, it up. okay, because you be throwing me off sometimes. I'm like, are you giving it a 50%? Are you giving no, it a 100%? It's 100%. It's an amazing show. Wow. It's an amazing, amazing show. And and the, the, the funny thing about it is that, so I'm watching the dub version, you know, the, the, the English version, and mm. it's a Japanese show, but the... The voice actors do such a vo- amazing job of really think it, it like they do such a good job of like portraying each character that you almost feel like you're in America. You know, they use some of the slang, some of the uh, the just the, like the little nuances of like being American. So you can like really relate to it if you're like, you know, if you're from here, even though it's a Japanese show, like if, if you look at the background, it's like, you know, clearly Japanese vending machines. Uh, a neighborhood, a Japanese street, like they're in Japan, but the characters mm-hmm. are portrayed in such an American way that it's really easy to relate to each one of them. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely end up checking that out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a hilarious show. Uh, so, yeah, that's my... That is my... Uh, uh, what? Oh, my recommendation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, do you want to get into Honey Boy? Because I know that that's something that we could tap on here for a little bit since we ended up watching it together the other day. Uh, amazing film. Uh, definitely for the boys. Uh, father son relationship. Uh, alcoholism. Uh, sexual uh, child abuse kind of yeah in a way She's child abuse <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> kind of sort of like eh. very but, uh, very autobiographical Shia LaBeouf film uh, directed by him starred him uh, I think the screenplay was written by him you know one man army kind of thing and uh, mm-hmm. it's an amazing film you know really touches on a lot of aspects of what makes you know out of all the actions he's done in recent years you, you when you watch this movie it does put a lot of context into like some of his decisions he's made and, and what you know, he's been through. And what he's been through. So definitely not to you know not to spend too much time on it, but if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's on Amazon for free. And I think it's probably it's probably on some other stuff for free as well. But it's an amazing film. I would give it a out of five. I would give it a four out of five. Yeah, I would probably give it a solid four out of five. También. Uh, yeah, that's an eighty percent. So yeah, that's about accurate. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that about wraps it up for uh, this week. Thank you so much, you guys, for sticking with us. Uh, this has been the In Living Spanglish podcast. We out. <laughs> <laughs>